Hey, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. Yes, this is still season two. Yeah, yeah. And it's episode 45. Episode 45. Yes. Hello and welcome. My name is Lori Krieg. I'm here with my husband, Matt. Hello. And producer Steve. Greetings. Greetings. Is that going to be your thing? I don't know. It's got to be different. You sound like Eugene Meltzer. I think I've said that before, but... It's just whatever I said last time, it has to be different from whatever I said last time. What? You're going to have to pick a different thing, like a different vehicle every time? Well, a different not exactly. Greeting. I can do one that I did two or three ago, but just yeah. not the last time. Okay. See so it's like every three you recycle. <laughs> right. Did you not catch my adventures in Audi to see joke that I just threw out? Eugene Meltzner. Yeah. Yes, greetings that's and fel- why felicitations. I had, yeah. <laughs> that's why I had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> and we are neglecting our guest, who is very important. We have a guest. Her name is Bridget Eileen. Welcome, Bridget. Hey, it's good to be here. And do you know Adventures in Odyssey? Um, Very little. I mean, I watched some of the little episodes when I was a kid, but I never listened to the radio show. Okay. Well, speaking as someone who listened to them every night before going to bed, I should probably (laughs) say only down Gilead Lane since that's what we were a part of. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. um, But you are calling us from where... I am calling from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, welcome. And you are a blogger and you are a teacher and you are in this whole gay Christian conversation. And and are you you're a teacher? That's your vocation as well. Correct. Actually, I just recently switched jobs this past year. So I've been a teacher for about six years, something like that, give or take here and there. Um, And I just recently switched to a new job Hmm. and I work in the mental health field now. Awesome. Welcome. Matt, he's like (laughs) extra excited. What do you do in the mental health field? Uh, Well, I work in a prison diversion program. And so basically my uh, title is parent-child educator. Hmm. And the women that I work with are all women that have been incarcerated for uh, drug-related offenses. And uh, basically I teach classes on uh, child development and caring for children. And uh, all of the women have been separated from their kids as a result of uh, being in jail and Mm. So I walk them through the process of reuniting with their kids. That's awesome. Wow. Important. I mean, everyone's job is important, but that seems like, I don't know, maybe a little closer to Jesus or something. Uh, But today we are going to be talking about friendship. And I I just love um, your story. When we had the chance to talk, just the impact that friendship had on your spiritual journey and the ongoing refining walk that you have with Jesus and just how how friendship is important. And and I'm hoping that we we can dilly dally, dally, I don't know, uh, into talking a little bit just about um, just the difficulty of friendship and just that loneliness factor. We talked that, about that a little bit last week with Daniel Matson, um, but I think a lot of us don't want to admit that we're lonely or yeah. that we even need friends. And um, mm-hmm. it, it feels kind of shameful. And like anytime friendship is brought up, I'm, I'm hoping you as listeners, I don't know, it can feel like, uh, what, what if I, my answer isn't like, I have a great community. How do I engage this? So I would mm-hmm. love to step into that as well. Um, yeah. But before we do that, before we get to the heart of the matter, which is where we step into those deeper pieces of your story, we talk about the question of the week from last week, and then we will take a vacation from our problems on Goofball Island. But our question of the week from last week was, what is a season, and it may be like an actual season, like fall, uh, where your like, emotions feel a little down? Is there ever like a consistent season where it's Christmas or it's springtime when you're like, this is just a harder season for me? 
Yes, Hmm. actually, I totally do. And for me, it has always been the spring. Every year, like clockwork, I always get down in the spring. And I think it might have something to do with um, the school calendar. Oh, and yeah. So, you know, as a student every year, like the spring, like the, the year is winding down um, and, uh, you know, you kind of wind up looking back on your past year and thinking of all the things that you didn't wind up accomplishing that you mm-hmm. wish that you had done. Yeah. Um, and then as a teacher, then after I graduated, I always had the same experience looking back on the past year, like, oh, I didn't do so many things that I yeah. wish I had done. Yeah. So for me, the spring has always been a harder time emotionally yeah. just because of that, I think. Oh, that makes sense. Guys? I, I don't know if I'm just not like introspective enough because I know I've had like down times and everything, but <laughs> I see their therapist. I can't, uh, I can't think of like a, a, a definitive pattern. I know I have like the, the monthly highs and lows. Your monthlies? That, yeah. That, well, I mean, guys sorry. have monthly, I'm sorry. monthly emotional cycles as well, just not necessarily <clears throat> pronounced. And, and so I know I have that, but I don't, I don't know, like there's a seasonal, like, or a prolonged type of thing where mm-hmm. every year or at a certain time of year that I, that I would have like a, a definite, like down. Yeah. I would say the same thing. I mean, I definitely have got, you know, hard emotional times, yeah. but it doesn't seem to be in, at least as far as I can r- recall, like, yeah associated with a time of year or a, a recurring event or something like mm. that. I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I kind of want to say maybe sometimes spring break I struggle because we don't do the big extravagant family vacation okay. that a lot of my fr- uh, kids' friends' yeah, families yeah. have, you know? It feels kind of like So maybe down. there's just a little bit sometimes of, like, looking around and going, oh, yeah, no, we're just going to staycation again, you know? Um, <laughs> so maybe maybe that. I remember that Adventures in Odyssey episode. That made me look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should the just Barclays. play that for yeah. our family. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I every October, it's like everyone starts posting things about, aren't you so glad there's Octobers in the world? And I'm like, no, I hate it. <laughs> I hate October. It's 31 days of sad. Um, and <laughs> it is. And the PSL, the pumpkin spice latte, and everyone's all cozy and ugh. Um, drives me, ugh, I hate it. Drives me crazy because, and it's more just, I, there's just stuff that happened in my past in that season. And um, I, I finally like realized it. So now, now everyone feels bad about their laughing. There it is. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> They're grimacing. I'm sorry, guys. I can laugh now. No, but I did this amazing, hopefully healing journey of this last year that all of you were privy to who listened to the podcast. And, um, so I'm hoping this fall is uh, better, but if you want to check in with me around October 1 and maybe actually send me a pumpkin spice latte, that'd be great. Maybe I'd actually like it. Probably more of a, what, coconut milk latte, there no flavoring? Is. Yeah, with an extra shot. That's <laughs> yeah, There <huge>. you go. <laughs> okay, we are now going to take a vacation from our Octobers and go to Goofball Island via Philippe. I think it's Philippe. From Beauty and the Beast. I think it's Philippe, yeah. Where have you taken us, Philippe? Oh, oh boy. Oh, oh boy. Oh, yeah, Maurice says Philippe. There it is. 
And I love <laughs> that Bridget was like, when you're reading the show notes, you're like, should I know what this vehicle is? And I'm like, oh no, you have no necessity, has no bearing on the heart of the matter. Okay, so we're playing a secret game because that's how we do. And this game is called Explain a Film Plot Badly. So I am going to explain a film plot badly with like one sentence and you all here you go here's your pretend taboo buzzer <laughs> and you're going to say Bzz, if yeah. you know what the film is buzz in yeah. yeah buzz in okay here's number one senior citizen sets up a school for dangerous adolescents where none of the staff have any teaching qualifications <laughs> matt is it harry potter no it's x-men Oh, dangerous oh, adolescents yes. senior citizen. Ah, <laughs> okay, okay, ready? Yeah, that's good. That's ready. a pretty accurate but bad description of that mm, movie. Nice. Exactly. Yes. Hence the name of this game. It rocks. Love in a time of Stockholm syndrome. Love in a time of stock. What? Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Miss hey. Bell falls in love with her uh -huh, captor. Okay, yes. Steve has a point. <laughs> Noseless guy has an unhealthy obsession with teenage boy. <laughs> that one's Harry Potter. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> so that was noseless guy has an unhealthy obsession with teenage boy Harry Potter. <laughs> one of them had to be Harry Potter. I mean, yeah, come on. I did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Tiny blokes return a piece of unwanted jewelry. Bzz. Yes, Matt. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Tiny books. Ah. Return a piece of unwanted. <laughs> oh, really boy. good, Matt. Okay. This game wow. is right. made for Matt. Yes. I think. <laughs> All right. Pocahontas with blue people. Oh. Yeah. Ah. Oh, <laughs> Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You got this next one, Bridget. Papyrus. <laughs> yeah. Papyrus. Yeah. That <laughs> clip. We'll have to. I'll attach that to the show mm. notes. Okay. An underage girl runs away from a Kansas farm with three unemployed drifters, does drugs, and goes on a killing spree. Yeah? Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she runs away from a Kansas farm with three unemployed drifters, does drugs, and goes on a killing spree. That's, you that's, got it. Yeah, okay, so Steve, too, Matt, does too. Does drugs. That's fantastic. <laughs> the, right? What is it? The poppies. Right. It's opium. Okay, so Bridget, you're in this game. Your, your name's on the table. Old man pretends to teach teenage boy karate to make him do chores. Mm. <laughs> karate kid. I, I just started uh, to answer without actually buzzing. Yeah. I like to say that I buzzed at the same time. Oh, did you? I'm okay. sorry. Uh, so, I, I completely stepped in front of you on that one. I'm going to give you both a point. <laughs> there you go. She buzzed. I couldn't mm. hear the buzz. Future genocidal child murdering fascist becomes unhealthily fixated on woman twice his age. Huh? Come on, nerds. Can you say it again? Future, Future? genocidal, child-murdering fascist becomes unhealthily fixated on woman twice his age. Uh, Jar Jar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Phantom Menace. Oh, nice. Wow. So I'm like, Terminator? Is, yeah. Oh Back to the future? Like, yeah, yeah, something with the Nobody future. Nobody gets What's that. Have on? you yeah. seen all the Star Wars war, Warses? I have seen all the Star Wars movies. Yeah. yeah. Phantom Menace. That, that one's good. Was good. That was good. All right. We have three more and then we'll be done. Older sister ruins younger sister's chance to be on a nationally televised game show. There's 13 contestants or 12 districts. 
Oh. Oh. There you go. I think Bridget did it first. Yeah, she got it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I Hunger still don't games. know what that was. It's the Hunger oh, Games. Okay, okay. Yep. So older sister ruins younger sister's chance to be on a nationally televised game show. <laughs> that, that is, wow. Yeah, yeah that's, that's accurate. Okay, Bridget has three, Matt has three, Steve has two. I don't know if Matt, you might have gotten the one where I gave the Jar Jar because I did give a hint on this one. So Matt has four, Bridget three, Steve two. Okay, we have two more, two more. A group of friends decide to spend less time online. Friends. Matt? The Matrix? Yeah. Oh, don't. Oh. Bridget, you were fast. Did you? Oh, you heard it. Yeah. The Matrix, a group of friends decide to spend less time <laughs> That's online. That's good. All right, last one. Public transportation running ahead of schedule for once. What? Speed? Yes. All right. Uh, that one. Wow. <laughs> those are funny, aren't yeah, they? Well I mean, done. I probably oh, well. wrote half of those, though. So. No, I stole them from Best of Twitter. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. We're getting off the... What did we take? Oh, Philippe. Thank yes. you, Belle. Give us the horse. Or we'll give it back. Okay. The reason that we do this podcast is talk about how the gospel is good news for everybody every, every day. And so, Bridget, how is the gospel first good news for you? And how is it still? Okay. So, I love this question um, so much. So... Um, I like this because um, it changes the the way of thinking about testimony, because for yes. me, I've always struggled with telling my testimony because I've there's never been a time when I don't remember being a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, so thinking of it in terms of how was the gospel first good news to me, um, I think of uh, um, just as a child, my family experienced tremendous hurt at mm -hmm. the hands of people who were claiming to be Christians, um, and mm -hmm. uh, they were not acting Christ-like. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, as a result of that, that created in me a lot of suspicion for the church and for Christians. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a huge blessing in my life was God revealing to me that my faith is not in Christians, but in Christ yeah, and Christ alone. Like as the verse in, in the Psalm says, mm. um, for God alone, oh, my soul wait in silence mm. for my hope is in him. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, that was how the gospel was good news to me first, um, was realizing that my faith is in Jesus Christ and not in the broken people who make up his church. Yeah. Um, and so then the second part of that is how is the gospel still good news yeah. uh, to me. So um, one of the ways in which the gospel is still good news to me um, is in the realization that me being saved is not just a thing that happened in my past, hmm. but is a thing that is happening presently and is presently ongoing. Um, and that was uh, something that was really crucial for me to understand and realize when I was wrestling with my sexuality, um, because uh, I, I really struggled with, you know, how could I possibly um, be saved if I'm having this struggle? Yeah. Um, how, you know, how could I, you know, really be a Christian if I have this struggle in my life? Right. And um, it was uh, so 
important for me to realize that God doesn't just save me in my past. He saves me in my present. Um, this is not just a, a matter of being saved, but Christ is the one through whom I am being saved. And that gives mm-hmm. me so much freedom to struggle in life and to mess up and to make mistakes. Yeah. In um, the knowledge that God has saved me, not just for my past mistakes, but also from the ones that I'm making right now. Mm. So that's how the gospel is, is still good news to me now. I love it. So I'd love to hear just some of like, how do you identify? And, and can you tell us some of that, like just journey with, I guess, just becoming okay with the ongoing journey I, and, and, and just the <clears throat> impact of, um, of friendship. I, I just, I love how that interaction. So how do you identify and, and then how has the gospel intersected specifically your sexuality and friendship? So three pieces there. <laughs> um, so in terms of how I identify, um, it might actually surprise people that I don't identify quote unquote as gay. Hmm. Um, I don't consider gay or lesbian to be an identity for hmm. me in terms of like the ultimate who of who I am. Right. Um, instead, I like to tell people that I describe myself as gay when I talk about being gay or talk about being a lesbian. Hmm. Um, I use those words as descriptors in uh, the same way that I might use the word Hispanic to describe who I am. Hmm. And uh, so uh, I like to clarify that because sometimes there can be misunderstandings in how uh, language is used and people can think that I'm trying to make some statement, some ultimate statement about who I am. Right. Um, And I'm not. I'm just trying to help people um, get to know a part of my existence. Yeah. And so that's one helpful way that I've found to describe my life to people Um, along with. Is it the uh, difference between like this is not who I am? This is how I am. I think it's a a matter of just describing to people, this is my life. This is my experience. Yeah. And if you want to get to know me, you have to get to know the things that I experience on a daily basis. Right. And the things that I live with on a daily basis. Totally, totally. And so for me, uh, being able to uh, use words like gay helped me to do that in a way that's simple, in a Mm -hmm. way that's not, you know, I don't know, I guess, wordy or anything like that. And um, and I do think that it's important to respect other people and the words that they use yes. to describe themselves. Yes. And so, you know, I, I can sometimes be a little bit of a debate in the Christian world. Like, mm. oh, do you call yourself gay or do right. you call yourself same-sex right. attracted? Right. And, um, you know, if, if someone comes up to me and describes themselves as same sex attracted, then that's the word that they are most comfortable with using. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to use that for them. Um, in the same way that I would hope that they would use the word that's most comfortable for me. Absolutely. That makes sense. Absolutely. Makes sense. Thank you for that. So then that whole interaction with, of like the gospel with your sexuality and friendship, I know those are kind of very beautifully mixed up for you. Mm hmm. So when it comes to uh, the way all of those intersect, like in terms of the gospel intersecting with my sexuality, um, intersecting with friendship, um, I think the gospel really has beautiful things to say about friendship. Hmm. And I think that friendship is really really integral to some of the descriptions of the gospel in the Bible and the mm-hmm. way that um, Jesus describes himself not just as our king, not just as our Lord, but as our friend. And uh, the knowledge that friendship is used as a description 
between uh, me and my relationship with Christ, that gives a really neat kind of, I don't know, honor to the idea of friendship um, in my life with others. Hmm. So Bridget, how has friendship been an integral part of your life as someone who is celibate? So someone who is not married and you're not planning on getting married. And, and when we talk about marriage, we're, it's, we're talking about a man and a woman. So you're committed to Jesus. You're seeing this ongoing gospel work. So how has, how has friendship played an important role there? Oh, so friendship has played such an integral role. Um, I would actually go so far as to say that the celibate life really is not really livable apart from friendship. I don't think that celibacy can be a healthy thing apart from having friends in your life. Mm. And uh, really one of the single greatest blessings in my life as a celibate woman has been the fact that I actually experience more freedom to develop close, intimate friendships with people and not Mm -hmm. less freedom. And uh, as a result of being gay and being celibate, I've been able to develop incredibly close friendships in my life, Mm -hmm. um, not just with women, but also with men and uh, um, have been able to kind of develop something of a family with with some of them. And that's that's all been a crucial avenue for for finding life and joy. And it's also been a blessing for me to find a friend who also has a similar calling upon her life. Mm. And uh, because of that, we've been able to commit to doing life together and to Mm. supporting each other in the celibate vocation. And that's been a huge blessing. Um, So all of these types of relationships, all of these types of friendships make celibacy life-giving for Mm me. And uh, a lot of times people think, okay, celibacy means I'm going to live alone. I'm going to be single. I'm going to be lonely. And uh, to me, if loneliness is a direct result of celibacy, then that celibate life, that celibacy is not being lived out in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. To me, healthy celibacy requires community, requires friendship. Um, You just really can't live the celibate life um, if you're doing it alone. How do you do that, though? So if someone's listening and they're like, you know what, guys, I'm not going to lie. You guys are some of my closest friends are these podcast friends and we love you and we see you and we hear you. And then they listen to you, Bridget, and they're like, man, she has all these amazing friends. And here I am, you know, I'm whatever, 20 something. And I'm I feel like just super lonely, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And this seems absolutely impossible. How do you go mm-hmm. about creating? Because what you're describing sounds like family. It sounds like family mm-hmm. abroad. How do you like? How do you do that? Well, it's not easy in our culture, and I can definitely say that I've been there. I've been in that place of mm-hmm. incredible loneliness. Um, I one of the most difficult years of my life was. Uh, so difficult because it was also the loneliest time of my life. I I remember when I first moved down to Tulsa um, from New York, I moved down here, didn't know a single soul, didn't have any family, didn't have any friends here. I'm completely by myself. And um, I, I was more lonely during that time than I think I've ever, ever been in my entire life. Um, And uh, It was uh, so hard because I was starting from scratch without anyone um, here to live life with. And uh, um, it took 
a long time to start building close, intimate relationships with people. It didn't happen overnight. And I guess the two ways that I found in my life that close, intimate relationships developed for me, and I'm not saying that this necessarily has to be the path that everyone follows, but in my life, I found that the two ways that it developed for me were one, I prayed for it, and I asked for people in my life to pray for it um and you that's know I'm, super vulnerable I to ask people mm-hmm. to yeah i yeah. you know would get on the phone with my family um and like i mean my my mom can like testify that i would be on the phone in tears with her and just Aww. like just telling her i just want a friend yeah. i just want someone to just hang out with um and you know my family prayed for a long time for me to find friendship mm. and um and i do think that that played a very integral role in me finding people. And mm-hmm. because I can see ways in which um, God brought people into my life in ways that really are inexplicable unless God was actually moving. And then um, the other way that I found that has you know been an avenue for me in making friends has been serving and uh, putting myself in a position to work alongside with people in meaningful ways, Mm. um, whether that be through volunteering, um, through ministry opportunities, Mm. or, you know, through doing similar things with other people. And I've found that I've been able to develop friendships in that way. Mm. And, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, you might meet someone, you, you might not be best friends right away, but over time, as you rub shoulders together and you're doing the same thing, you might find that these one or two people that, you know, maybe you have been working alongside with for a long time, yeah. um, actually start to become close. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are kind of the two avenues that I found yeah. that have helped produce friendship in my life. Mm. And I'm not, I don't know if that's going to be the case for everyone, but it's definitely something that I've seen for myself. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you're able to, I mean, you say it, it it took a long time. You had this big transition to Tulsa and it took a long time for you to, to really feel like you had, had developed those close friendships, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, are, are, is this a a span of years? Is this a span of, you know, months? Um, The only reason I ask is because I've talked to a lot of people Mm-hmm. that I mean they might have moved to a, a new city or something and then mm-hmm. I mean it's literally been years sometimes mm-hmm. like almost a decade multiple mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know a long season yeah. where where they're still looking around them and saying I don't I don't have those close friendships right. that I that I feel like you know I desire mm-hmm. you know yeah. and I, I'm, I just I guess I guess I'm asking you because I, I know that that's a hard place. And a lot of times if it goes a certain length, people start to feel like, well, what's wrong with me yeah, that yeah. I can't, mm-hmm. that I can't have these friendships. Yeah. And to a certain extent, it's a sad byproduct of the culture that we're living in where people are just isolated from each other. Mm-hmm. And the forms of community that used to be present, that used to bring people together no right. longer exist. Um, we, live further apart. We live in a very uh, transient society where people Mm -hmm. get up and move and, you know, go from this city to that city. And um, friendship itself is not seen as something that's permanent. Um, Mm -hmm. It's seen as something that's 
transient that mm-hmm. is seasonal. You know, you were, we're friends, you know, for the time that we're around and then, you know, you're going to go off and do your own thing and, you know, eventually we'll, you know, we'll part ways. Um, and so a lot of it has to do with just where our culture is now. And, uh, you know, that's something that can be changed overnight. And so mm-hmm. um, it doesn't surprise me to, you know, hear that people might spend even as long as a decade and not really find true friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, I've seen what a struggle it is for myself. And, you know, I've been able to forge uh, close friendships here in Tulsa, um, but they haven't been many. Um, They've been, you know, just a few precious people here and there that I found. Mm -hmm. And I count myself very fortunate Mm -hmm. um, to have found those people. And not everybody, not everybody does Mm -hmm. because, uh, our, our culture doesn't have as much of an appreciation of, of friendship as something that is, is permanent mm-hmm. and something that you prioritize. I wonder how much our just worship of our self and our own feelings plays into this. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't feel like it. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to. I'd rather just stay here. And it's easier. So we avoid risk. We're not as resilient. We're becoming... Mm-hmm spiritually emaciated and emotionally thin uh and so because we aren't actually used to doing anything difficult friend actual real gritty friendship is difficult Mm -hmm. and you do things you don't want to (laughs) do that's Mm -hmm. called as this whole gospel walk and so to actually be committed you know there's times with with our family dinners when i'm like i am so flipping exhausted i don't want to make enchiladas for Mm -hmm. every saturday night we host people in our home i'm so grateful every time we do but I'm like, I'm so tired, but it's, I'm committed (laughs) to these people. I'm committed to this community and I'm not some saint. I'm just, it's honestly, I'm committed to Jesus and he loves people. So we got to, too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think we've kind of lost this concept of like, we actually have obligations to our friends um, in the the same way that we might have obligations to a family member. Right. And I think we've we've lost that kind of, that kind of notion. Absolutely. Um, And in fact, we actually encourage people like, you know, oh, if your friend um, is, you know, getting you down or, you know, you you don't enjoy spending time with them anymore, then you probably should just, you know, cut them off and move on and find someone else that's better for you. Um, Whereas I think in the Bible, I think we see examples of friendship that are taken more seriously than that. And, you know, the Bible says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Mm -hmm. And that really, you know, communicates to me a tremendous sense of duty and obligation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have this notion where, you know, we have to put up with family members because they're family. And, you know, you know, a family member does something that gets on your nerves. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, you just put up with them and you love them anyway because they're family. Um, But, you know, if a friend does that, well, you find a better friend. Absolutely. And I I don't think that's biblical. I don't think we see that in the Bible. I think we see uh, a... we, we see an appreciation of friendship as something that you you stick by a person, you stick with them um, through the good times and through the bad times. Well, and if we as the church are going to call people, and it's not even us, if we're going to follow the Bible's high standard of sexuality, biblical sexuality, then we have to follow the Bible's high standard of inclusion. 
and mm-hmm. family. And so I, I'm speaking to myself. Again, I am not a saint. I'm a regular person who has a two-year-old and a three-year-old and I get tired. And you do too, Matt, and a full-time job. And But I am so committed to this thing that we speak from on a stage. We are of like the, the church is the hope of the world. And we mm-hmm. are each other's family that... We, whereas before, you know, it's like quote unquote boundaries, which boundaries are so great and you have to do it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I think we have over boundaried ourselves uh, into um, making the celibate life or the single life or people who are called to that to, to isolating them. So it's our own issues. We haven't created the space in our families to be inclusive. And, and that's mm-hmm. on us for those of us who have worshiped the nuclear family. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. I think that uh, we need to um, regain an appreciation of um, friendships, especially with other Christians, because uh, when we talk about being a family of God, friendship is an outworking of this idea that I can be a spiritual sibling to someone else. Yes. Yep. And uh, that's something that's permanent. And when we when we think about permanency, we usually always think of marriage as being this permanent thing and mm-hmm. friendship is seasonal. Right. But really our friends with other believers, our spiritual siblings in Christ, those are the only types of relationships that we bring with us mm-hmm. into the new heaven mm-hmm. and the new earth. Yeah. Our our marriage partner, we we don't bring with us as a as a spouse. Right. Um but our friends, we bring with us as friends. And so there's this idea that friendship is eternal. Mm. Um, and, and marriage is really the seasonal thing. Yeah. Um, and so when, when you look at friendship as being an eternal thing, when I look at my relationship with a brother or sister in Christ, as I am investing in someone for the rest of eternity, and this person that I'm developing a relationship with, yeah. this relationship is going to continue into heaven. Yes. Um, that is incredible. Absolutely. But we don't always think of friendship in that way. Absolutely. And I, I want to look at the listeners who have young kids. So again, we've got a couple toddlers and it's not to the neglect of our children that we include friends. Our cat mm-hmm. who's been on this podcast, our transgender friend, she texts this week. She's like, can I come hang out? <laughs> so <laughs> she just came over and we played in the sandbox with our kids. And it was really mm-hmm. sweet for me because I had been just hanging out with toddlers all day. And so it's not to the neglect of our kids. It's to the inclusion of our kids on mission with us to love our yeah. neighbors. And so that's why we love Francis Chan so much. But then too, it's, it's not that, okay, I'm I'm going to go solve the world's problems. It's so we're playing in the sandbox today. If you want to come chill, this is life. So, <laughs> or, or not, I mean, we can schedule time to hang, but, but that, that is, it's how can we get on mission together? Uh, even yeah. as a family, as I'm, we're, as Matt and I are discipling these little ones who we care would just take a bullet for, we, we want to love mm-hmm. our neighbors, like genuinely love. Yeah. And just to add a thought to what you just said, um, I think that um, there's so much pressure put on families these days, and it's so hard to raise a family. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's coincidental that the amount of pressure that we see being put on families and how difficult it is to raise a family today Mm -hmm. coincides with a decline in friendship. Hmm. in our society. Um, Why is it so difficult to manage family today? Well, maybe the fact that we don't have friends surrounding us, helping us is part of that problem. 
I love that. I, love I got chills because we have someone living with us right now who um, has her own journey. And I don't need to say that on this podcast, but uh, it's love her so much. And even during one of those days where I was like, I'm so tired. And then I was like, I have no more niceness for my really cute kids. And <laughs> she just comes up from downstairs and it's like playing games. And I'm like, oh, she's hitting all her core needs. She sees her. She's affirming them. Like, I just was so thankful. And this, the research shows it about how we need five adults who are following Jesus in our life for us to like stay on the path of Christianity. And so I just mm-hmm. keep looking around at this family that God has been developing. And, and I'm just so thankful for these God, Jesus loving adults who can pick up where my energy has just stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you for, again, every time we talk on friendship, it feels like we only scratch the surface this is at least our third podcast on friendship. And it feels like, wow, we're, we're going to come back and, and hit this again. And um, Bridget, I hope we continue the conversation either on this podcast, which would be awesome or in, in person. It was so great to meet you for a second at Revoice. And I hope that there's many more times where we can connect. Yeah, absolutely. I hope the same thing. Yeah. So, I am going to toss to the question of the week for next week, which is because my dad, my very own RJH, Randall John Heckman, is going to be on the podcast. And uh, we're going to talk about some of our relationship with my whole coming out process with him and then some of what he's doing with um, just a lot of like the prayer movement that's happening in Grand Rapids. Um, I The question of the week that we would love to hear from you all listeners is what is a never forgotten lesson your dad or your spiritual father, mentor, someone, it could be your mom too, but just like you, you never forgot that. That was one that just was like a, a nugget that you're like, ooh, that was really helpful. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to talk about that. I'd actually would love to hear the answer from my dad and all the wheels are spinning in this room right now. Everybody's like, Oh, I want to talk. Can we talk about it? We'll do it next week. Um, but you guys, we just would love to hear from you. We love hearing from our listeners. You can email me if you want to talk about something at podcast at HIMH ministries.com. And, um, I'm going to throw this out there this week too. If you are a regular listener and you want some new swag from HIMH, a hat and or bracelet, if you do the hashtag, HIMH podcast or you tag me in it if it's not a public post um, I will pick one of y'all and send you something cool um, so I will link to a bunch of Bridget's stuff she writes some really beautiful things and again it's just written for the center with Preston's whole organization and as well as on her blog so I will link to that you want to follow her all the things so Bridget thanks so much for being on here yeah it's been great thank you for having me It's been a joy. And for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week. Any other questions on this? Um... I think I think I'm good. The outline you sent me was uh, super helpful. And... Oh. In the outline, it said... um, the vehicle is Felipe from Beauty and the Beast. What is that referring to? <laughs> so no, we... I'm not sure. On our way to Goofball Island, where we take a vacation from our problems, we take a different vehicle, quote unquote, even though the vehicle can be like, mm, it's the magic school bus or a groundhog. Uh, so it's whatever is loony in Lori's head that week or has no. something to do with the content. So I mean, last hour, Daniel just 
rode a hungry dinosaur with us. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, well, that makes sense. I, I, just making sure that I wasn't missing out on something no, important. No, you didn't. It is not even a fraction of important.